episode of the In Real Deep podcast. I'm your host, Steve Semino, senior writer at InRealDeep.com. And with me, as always, is executive editor Andrew Johnson. Hello, Andrew. Greetings, Steve. I just want you to know I'm a cowboy. Or I'm not a cowboy. I'm a stuntman. <laughs> I believe that's a quote from the great Kurt Russell playing uh, the great uh, character indeed. stuntman Mike McKay, which mm-hmm. is... Hey, which is the main character in the movie we're talking about today. And that, of course, is Death Proof. As we consider our trapes through the Quentin Tarantino filmography, we've made it to his half of the Grindhouse duo. And, Andrew, I this is an interesting movie. We obviously are we're always going to do it because it is a directed by Quentin Tarantino. If you're going to go through his filmography, you have no choice but to touch on Death Proof. But I think the question on the tip of my tongue the entire time I saw this movie is... Does this movie matter? Is this even a terror? Is he saying anything beyond just having fun and making a silly, dumb movie? Or is there some oomph and weight to this? And I really don't know the answer. I'm curious to hear your take. Uh, it's definitely doesn't matter. <laughs> We're done. It's, Thanks everyone for listening. And, and I, the, my proof that I will offer to you is a quote directly from Quentin Tarantino uh, about this movie. And I'm going to pair, I'm going to paraphrase and skip over a little bit of it. Cause it's kind of long, but here's what he says about death proof. I'm really well versed on a lot of directors careers, you know, and when they look, when you look at the last five films that they made when they were past it, when they were too old and they're really out of touch with the times, whether it be William Wyler and the liberation of LB Jones or Billy Wilder with Fedora and then buddy buddy or whatever the hell to me, it's all about my filmography and I want to go out with a terrific filmography. Death proof has got to be the worst movie I ever make. And for a left-handed movie, that wasn't so bad. All right. So if that's the worst I ever get, I'm good. But I do think one of these out of touch, old limp flaccid Dick movies cost you three good movies. As far as your rating is concerned. Wow. So, so he sort of anticipated he this all along. <laughs> he doesn't. I mean, well, it's not, I mean, come on. It's, he set out to make, um, I mean, a lot of his movies are love notes to movies like of this style. Um, but then the thing is he usually goes and elevates them. Right. And in this one, he just didn't try to do the second part as far as I can tell. Which was um, the conceit all along. So I get that, but it is, there's so much I want to unpack with that quote. It's, that's a very insightful thing for, for two gentlemen who are reviewing the man's filmography. I think it's just on its head. Fascinating that he cares so much about his filmography, you know, <laughs> that that sort of reinforces the value in what we're doing here. And some of the things we're reading in, obviously it's something he thinks about a lot when he's choosing what to make. Well, it makes sense of his whole, like, you know, there's all those quotes out there, like uh, that he wants to make 10 movies and be done, which means he's got, depending on if you count death proof or not, I guess, I think, which means he's got one movie left uh, essentially. Yeah. I'm not sure, not sure how much I buy that, but, like you said clearly he's 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 explicitly interested in his own legacy right so and death proof is bizarre in that way and that it fits it fits in it makes sense in terms of like what he's all about and yet it uh it's like i i i think i I don't know if i actually wrote this down but it's like to me easily the worst movie that of of all of them that we're going to see i'm like confident of that um like sort of on an objective basis, but to me, it's not, I wouldn't say it was the least enjoyable, if that makes sense. Um, 
like I kind of had more fun watching Death Proof than I did watching Kill Bill in some ways. So this was um, my first time seeing this too, and so that was sort of fa- and and seeing it through though I didn't know that explicitly what you you know that quote or Tarantino's thoughts on the movie. It was obviously it, it it feels like more of a throwaway from moment one. You know, it's part of the Grindhouse duo. You know, it it does feel like the kind of thing even before you know his thoughts that he'd rather have directed maybe without attaching his name to it. You know, like he would rather have gone out there and put Alan Smithy as the credit and then directed right. a fun movie and never and not have it be tied to him in some such such a specific way. Well, then he couldn't have played a bartender. Who, <laughs> yes, he's very That's a good. Point. <laughs> That's that sort of undercut. Yeah, with that, so sort of screw you, man. Like you can't be in the movie and write the movie and direct the movie and then be like, well, the movie kind of sucks. Like you're you're the movie. You are the whole thing. It doesn't exist without you. I was gonna say he's very convincing as a semi semi competent bartender. So I feel like I had like uh, you know Reservoir Dogs. He not gotten the funding for it or something like. This is probably what Quentin Tarantino is doing somewhere in, you know, somewhere in Hollywood uh, right now. He was really but, ugly and sort of fat in this too. Not not to shame him for his his body, but this was not the best Quentin Tarantino has ever looked in this movie. <laughs> no, and he's kind of like a weird juxtaposition to uh, uh, to stuntman Mike, right? Like uh, who has all these like scars and blemishes and everything, but is uh, obviously an incredibly attractive man in the form of Kurt Russell. So Kurt Russell, I mean, if you've listened to our previous episodes on the In Real Deep podcast, specifically the one about the Christmas Chronicles, you'll know our thoughts on Kurt Russell. He's he's one of the world's most handsome men, and he is not uh, he's not shirking that duty here. He's showing up and looking great. Uh, we get to talk to talk about him again soon. Uh, <laughs> That's right. In this series. We do get <laughs> um, a lot of Kurt. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and he like, I mean, he's the thing that. I say I said Tarantino doesn't didn't really elevate this above the the genre he's kind of you know cribbing off of, but uh, actually that's not entirely true because Kurt Russell comes in and you know gives it some credibility, makes it makes it quite watchable. Before um, we get too deep in this, Andrew, let's do beverage yeah. of choice. Do you have a beverage tonight? Sure. I do, I do. Uh, I I, uh, I hurt my back, uh, but I, so I haven't been been drinking the last couple days, but I. I I'm feeling good enough now, um, so I'm drinking a a big wave golden ale from uh, from Kona Brewing Company, which is a, a nice light, easy drink, easy drinking uh, Hawaiian beer. Good way to get you back into the drinking fold. That's good. Mm-hmm. Smooth transition back. Mm-hmm. I'm enjoying a glass of Charles Shaw Red Blend, the famed uh-huh. three buck chuck from Trader Joe's. I'm drinking that oh, because i Three I'm... bucks? I thought it was two buck chuck. Two buck, that, that shows your age, because it's been three bucks for a little while now. So in your Charles Shaw days, I presume your college days, uh, they might have you might have been a buck off, but it's up to three now. No, 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 no. These are pre-college, so my, my grandmother always bought it. She oh. grew up... Or she, she lived in Southern California. Oh, there you go. So, so yeah. It's three um, bucks now, so you're you're shelling out a little more to enjoy the Charles Shaw taste, but still a great deal. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah, and I'm also I'm drinking that because I'm making uh some pasta sauce right now, and I dumped a glass of wine in there as part of the recipe, and then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna enjoy a glass as well during the world famous In Real Deep podcast. So this is this is the this is the three buck chuck of uh, the Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> yeah, right. here. It, it, I was trying to find a thematic connection, and you found it. So thank you. Uh, well, you know. <laughs> that's perfect. All right, let's that's get into it. So 
<laughs> this movie is this is the Kurt Russell movie. Obviously, it, it's it's actually that's that's sort of dismissive to say that because the the the, the draw of it, the the allure of it, the the excitement is probably based around Kurt Russell. But it is by far his most female centric cast, and absolutely. Like, and I guess in a way that's sort of a shame because he does. Have, there's a lot, you know, in terms of screen time, the women dominate this movie. In terms of interesting characters and some sort of relevance and and you know and excitement to them and and well-definedness, I would say not perhaps his strongest effort. No, there's not a lot of depth to these characters. Even though I wrote down in my notes, I'm like, hey, women talking to each other. How about that? It only <laughs> wow. took us like six six films or whatever. Uh, I guess if you take out uh, Vivica A. Fox and killed uh, and. Um, Beatrix scene. Um, that other than that, it's, uh, I haven't had a lot of uh, women talking to each other in, in Tarantino's films up to this point. But yeah, the, I mean, that's yeah. They're not. There's not. But there, there's not a lot of depth to the characters. But I don't think that's uh, because Tarantino just can't do that with women. I think that's because there isn't that much to say in this film. So why would there be depth to the char- any of the characters? You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not. You're right. They're not supposed to. You know, even Russell doesn't have. You know, you you know no. a little about him, but it is not relevant to the story. No, and like no. anything he gives away in his performance or the way he composes himself or any tidbits, like they're they're neat here and there. But yeah, it doesn't matter. All you have to know is that he's a crazy stuntman and he kills some women and then some women yeah. get the revenge on him. Like it is very easily summed up and. But it's just, it, it's a long, I mean, the version that we saw is, um, I, I, when I went into this movie, knowing it was two, one half of the Grindhouse duo, I thought, oh, it's going to be a solid 90 minutes. And like, they both would do a 90 and a 90 and it would be a, you know, slightly yeah. long three hour combo. But this is yeah. a almost two hour movie. And that seems like a mistake yeah. right on the head is this does not need to be this long. No, it doesn't need to be this long. Uh, I don't know. It's like it's not really. I, I'm struggling for uh, for things to actually say about this. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, it's kind of most interesting to me uh, in two senses. One, the quote that I gave earlier, which is kind of like he does this in the middle of everything else, and it's and it's clearly very intentional. I think that's the most interesting part about it. Like, it's like. It's almost like when uh, you remember when James Franco went on like General Hospital. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like kind of like it's it's a very bizarre intentional thing to do, but it's interesting that you would choose to do that. I guess. Uh, I and then the other thing for me is just the 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 callbacks and call forwards in in the film. Like he kind of uh, in the end he kind of repeats like a Reservoir Dogs scene, except it's with some of the women, and then. Um, you know, we've got a stunt man, and then you know, I, I didn't. I mean, I didn't know this when I first saw it, but you know, then we have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which has a stunt man. We've got muscle cars, which are also big in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood films, and um, that's what's Bill most interesting. To me. Many, many Kill Bill well, references yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. So that's what's most interesting to me about it is that, like you know, you you this. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure I, I don't buy into the idea that there's a Tarantino universe. I'm sure you've read some of the articles out there that all the <laughs> films exist in the same universe. But um, this one exists in the Kill Bill universe, though, because there are literally two characters from Kill Bill that are in this movie. Yeah, yeah. The two guess, Rangers, Michael Parks and James Parks, both play right, the Ranger, right. Mc, the, the McGraw family of Rangers, and they right, are literally the right. same characters as Kill Bill. So that theory is 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 somewhat accurate, but obviously I don't think it extends beyond this this particular no, duo of no. movies. 
Well, what I was gonna say is, it's just kind of interesting. Like you can see where you have a movie like this that there is like there, someone could find the connective tissue that uh, isn't necessarily real, uh, other than the example you raise. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't really have a lot to say. It's just like, uh, and and then I like I know we've both watched Inglorious Bastards, which is the next movie, which is just like here it comes back to like re- the real. Tarantino. I guess. Yes. Oh, like, very much so. Like, like, I think like, we're both looking ahead. It's it's like one of those trap yeah. games in the NFL where yeah, you're looking yeah, ahead to the next yeah, matchup. Yeah, like I think we're both yeah. definitely there. Yeah. There's an inglorious. Yeah. There's an unknown inglorious bastards reference as well, and that Eli Roth and Omar Doom yeah. are converse a lot in this movie and are friends, True. and they end True. up being you know the the two of the two of the bastards themselves. So that's right. a you know he whether there's a Tarantino universe or not, he does love mixing and matching and putting people back together and in probably ways that entertain only him and then eventually film nerds who see everything and connect the dots. But he does seem to be just, just, it probably tickles him. So. Yeah. Well, and that, I guess this is and going back to that quote I brought, like, this is the ultimate, like, if you're going to tickle yourself kind of movie, I guess for a guy like Tarantino, it's like, yeah, I'll just, <laughs> I'll just make an absurd movie. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I thought the, the Zoe Bell stunts were great. I mean, I think yeah. that that it was particular that her being on top of the car, it clearly being her mm-hmm. the entire time as a stunt woman doing that, that was really impressive. There were some impressive elements to it. There were, there were some funny parts. The way it ends with them just beating the shit out of Kurt Russell and then sort of posing at the end is an absurd yeah. Yeah, sort yeah. of finale. Yeah. yeah. But it is it's 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 just a it's just a several it's pieces that don't really flow together and like we said it's not that there aren't interesting moments here and there but the connective tissue is just so weak like for someone who's so good at dialogue the scenes you know the the women's mm-hmm. characters and what they're discussing is just not particularly gripping like i no. just, it's just a shame that he gave them 2 hours of screen time that in a predominantly female cast and does not give them a lot to work with Again, is that is that part and parcel of what they like? But I will say the first the first half is way more interesting. Like if we're gonna get into the nuts yeah. and bolts yeah. with Sydney Poitier's daughter, also named Sydney Poitier, which is great, and yeah. Ernesto yeah. Ferlito, and like the whole conversation with her as the DJ and and sort of yeah. s- selling her friend down on the on the radio and getting her in trouble and the really sexy lap dance, like mm-hmm. and Rose mm-hmm. McGowan's character, like they're the first scene. Everything in the bar in the first half yeah. of the movie has some hook to it, and you're intrigued. <laughs> you really want to know yeah. where it's gonna go. <laughs> and then it opens, you know, and then after the, and then it gets, and it really all it does is build to a horribly visceral crash sequence and then a very yeah. boring second half. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I agree that like that bar, the bar they're in is like, I want to like go to that bar. Like I would be happy to spend an, an evening or many evenings in that, <laughs> in that bar getting served a uh, virgin pina coladas like Stuntman Mike. And a nacho um, grande platter. And I'm, that's right. <laughs> Uh, saying those words makes like i wrote my notes i was just laughing at how he enunciates like virgin pina colada like he's just just so great it is really terrific he's having a good time with it too you can tell he's enjoying this character yeah yeah yeah. as he should i mean it's kind of a weird fun character but um uh, yeah i don't know I mean, one of the things about this movie, obviously, which we referenced earlier, is that it is part of the Grindhouse double feature. I don't know a ton about what he was going for. That was not anything I grew up on. That was before both of our time. I think, you know, people from an older film generation will probably get a little more. I thought it was an interesting 
I don't know, twist or, or angle to, where the first half of the movie, which we described already as more interesting, more certainly made you wonder what was going on and care about the characters a little more. That had a lot of the grindhousey sort of uh, cutting the film, cutting away and coming back, just being a little off out of focus, a little off kilter. And the second half, I thought, was just sort of a movie, you know? Like, I was yeah. I was intrigued. I don't know what he's going for there. I'm, I assume there's something to that, but I didn't... I mean, maybe it's just... Maybe it's the, the, move, the point of the movie sort of changes at that point. It becomes a different type of grindhouse adventure. I'm not really sure what he was going for in that regard. Yeah, I don't. I, I, it does almost feel like two two grindhousey B B style movies. You know, you got the first part is is has much more of like the tones of like a a horror or slasher movie, right? You know, like all the scenes where he's like following, like stalking these these the first set of women in his car, and like you don't even know you don't even know it's Stuntman Mike really um for a while and then you get to him in the bar and you kind of figure out that okay this is probably the guy but even then you don't know um and then like the mystery is solved with this horribly violent like you know <laughs> conclusion to that part and then the second part is much more like a you know like a burt reynolds car chase movie uh more straight so it it, it changes tone i i think the first part of, i think that's interesting you pointing that out because i think the first part is like it's it like it like holds back the Kurt Russell parts like just long enough to really like, keep you interested. And then in the second part, you're just kind of waiting for like Kurt Russell to just either get his comeuppance or like, I, I guess, murder some more people. I don't know. Um, <laughs> this or so, murder them. Yeah. 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 So like in that sense, I think um, that's probably why the first part is is so much uh so much more captivating because it's just it it just has it has more of that mystery element to it and like really i i did enjoy like some of like the idea that it's like um you know i i kept watching like the 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 stunt car like squeal off right you know a couple times when they're following these women around when he's following these women around town and i thought it was like kind of interesting it almost reminded me of like the scenes in Halloween where like Michael Myers, it's from like Michael Myers point of view, you know, and he's like stalking someone. Um, it it kind of had that like vibe to it. Um, and uh, which is kind of, which is interesting because it's a car, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> feels like, feels like a car escaped out of like Pixar's cars and it like went very rogue, you know, and then, and then of course it ends up being Kurt Russell's character, but um, I don't know. I'm kind of rambling there, but it, 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 I, yes, it's, it's definitely two, two movies kind of smashed together into one um, with stuntman Mike kind of tying it together. Um, and I, I prefer the first part too. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're totally right. And I think, and I, and for all the reasons you just described, we, it's fun to you, even if you know, Kurt Russell is going to ultimately be a murderess. It's fun to see that sort of happen, come out. And it really does have a lot of horror slasher beats to it for sure. I never really thought yeah. about that, but that definitely is what they're going for. But like you said, the second movie is, it's just sort of like a, a road film, people hanging out. And then when, when push comes to shove, they, they don't back down and they, they rise up and if you, if I read that like I'm looking at the Wikipedia right now and when I read the description of it I'm like it, it's actually pretty good in a paragraph form you know like it's very <laughs> it's great to have three female characters and 
stepping up and, and being badasses and, and making Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell plays a great tough and a great whimpering loser too. Like it is yes, very yes, fun to see yeah, him go yeah, so quickly between yeah. the two. Like, cause yeah. I know Terrence, you know, says in, in the, the quotes that I've read from him, he really wanted to make a badass Kurt Russell movie. This was in the time when Kurt Russell was in miracle and Kurt Russell was in all mm-hmm. these sort of like not family movies necessarily, but he was playing a more wizened older man. You know, he wasn't yeah. snake Plissken anymore. He wasn't captain yeah. Ron. He was sort of like, he was a he was a dad borderline grandpa and in this mm-hmm. movie he's a badass again which is great but then when it comes down to it he's a whimpering sad mess and he gets his yeah. ass kicked and loses and so that's a fun twist i like all that stuff again if, <sighs> yeah. if, you, if you show me eight bullet points of what this movie is i'd be really intrigued to sit down and watch it and then i would just be like oh wow there's a there's a lot of downtime in between those bullet points yeah yes there is there's a lot there's a lot yeah and that that's that's kind of it like i you know, I don't know if it's if it's the structure of the story or it needed to be edited a little differently or but I I mean I am in, in agreement this is when you talk about those seven or eight bullet points or whatever like this does not need to be a, a, a an almost two hour film it's 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 too there's not enough there's no there's not enough there there I guess I would say so um, it does raise an interesting philosophical question though and I appreciate you know again the quote that you raised at the beginning because I don't think there are a lot of directors out there who would yeah. discuss one of their movies in such a way and sort of admit that it's bad you know that is yeah, that's yeah. fairly uncommon and good on him in the sense that this this is a throwaway I think most critics and and fans wouldn't don't hold it against him that I made it I think they hold it in the proper regard which is this is a fun thing he did with his buddy Robert Rodriguez and it doesn't yeah. really matter and it's not illustrative of who he is and his skill set and all that but it's I appreciate that he's willing to say like hey this is you know it's not meant to be a good movie that wasn't my intention necessarily when I made it but I do recognize that in the grand scheme of things it does sort of count and it was not good and or at least it will be a curious you know footnote in my career later on that he took a break and made this two-hour grindhouse movie that everyone sort of went eh and moved on yeah well i think what's interesting about that too is just that good or bad there is so much intention in what tarantino sets out to do um in the in the sense that like um not that other directors don't have intention in what they set out to do but Tarantino, he doesn't. It doesn't feel like he sets out to do it, do anything within a within a system, right? I mean, I guess in a past episode we sort of bizarrely juxtaposed one of his films to like the Lego Movie, you know, and like <laughs> talked about that, like, and that's and that's not to take anything away from the 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 guys who did the Lego Movie, but like Tarantino does. He 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 has things he wants to do, and he just goes and does them. That is very very unusual uh you know especially in like a, a marvel cinematic universe like sort of way like like and and um and he's only gonna and and given and given that quote he's only gonna do a few things total so it's kind of interesting also in that context that like you know if he's got 10 bullets this is this is this is one of them he takes, <laughs> um, like, he takes himself very seriously and also he's able to step back and view himself yeah. through like what he expects history the history of film will right. will do right. later on which is weird and it's not usually you know it's not usually how people go about it like i don't get the sense that you know scorsese or robert altman or a lot of these dudes are are overly mm-hmm. concerned with how 
they are viewed after, you know, in the future or after they are gone or even a lot of times at the time when their movie comes out. I think that is an impediment to a lot of directors is 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 how they're going to be considered when they're like, just I'm, I made a movie, watch it, taking it for what it is and stop thinking about what I did before and what I'm going to do next and just and focus on the art as it exists on the screen. And obviously that has never been Tarantino's thing with the like you said, with the any with the fact that you can even ponder a, a Tarantino universe is 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 case of that. But yeah, but then the fact that he that he's able to make something like this and and pauses to ponder and it's it's he's a truly unique dude there are just so few people like him and even something like this is when you look at it that way it's sort of a fascinating little experiment on on what like we, we've seen this guy be up his own ass in, in all the movies we watch we've seen him make gems that are not his own we've seen him create classics that you know prove he's he's an utter genius we've seen him get some money and, and do something truly ambitious with it, whether it was good or bad. And then we've seen him made this, which seems like a, a fun little treat that he did on a whim. And, and it, there's just, there's a lot of layers. There's, there's both so many layers and no layers at all. to this Cause he's, he does what he wants to do. Like you said, yeah. he's not, there's not yeah. a lot of, uh, there's not a lot behind that. If, if you don't want to look at it deeper than that, you don't have to, he just does stuff. Well, he's a film geek, right? Like, and, and like, any person who makes movies is a film geek to a degree, but like, I think he's like the most film geekish of them all. Like, and like, like, or nerd or whatever. I don't know what the right classification is, but you know, he's just so well-versed in all these different kinds of films of different quality that it's like that, that seems to be what drives him. And I think that's probably what makes him interesting to folks like us, but Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. That about does it for our Death Proof episode. If you haven't seen it, continue with your life. It's fine. (laughs) If you're a completist, if you're with us for this ride and you want to enjoy every Tarantino movie as we are, certainly give it a watch. But I just, you know, it's like he said, like, like, like Quentin himself said, it's minor for a reason. And realistically, what we're about to talk about next on this series, Inglorious Bastards, is just such a treat. Just, just hide, stay on, stay on the high end, true feature films, Tarantino path, and maybe don't deviate and and check this one out just for the sake of checking it out. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're ever drinking a virgin pina colada, this is the movie <laughs> to uh, at home. This at is the home, movie. Yeah. To, this is the movie for you. All of our listeners Otherwise, at home breaking yeah. out their pina colada, their yeah. blenders, and all that good yeah. stuff. The virgin pina colada. Yeah. <laughs> Well, for the rest of our Tarantino episodes, they're all available on InRealDeep.com. Please subscribe. Like we said, Inglorious Bastards is up next. We'll be putting that out very soon. Andrew and I have both seen it, and I know we're chomping in the bed to talk about it. It's 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 truly as good as everyone says, and I think we are going to aggressively debate that one in depth. So please join us for that episode. Andrew, thanks for joining us for this episode. Thanks for talking Death Proof. Thanks for rank- squeezing 25 minutes out of this movie. That you know, <laughs> I think we covered every nook and cranny that we could possibly talk about on the yeah. podcast. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the ratio of uh, meat to uh, podcast minutes is uh, pretty pretty high here. <laughs> yeah. So, Also, I think long. you would agree with me as we say, rest in peace, Robert Forster. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A total yeah. legend. So just... Jackie Brown, we just we talked about it. That episode's in our archives. What a classic performance. Seems like Seemed like a great dude and real sad that he went. That really hit me in the gut when I heard about that last Yeah, that, very sad news. Um, and he's great in Jackie Brown. Obviously, go listen to that podcast and go watch that movie. But, you know, I, I, I was reading one of his uh, obituaries and um, 
I realize he's in the Breaking Bad movie, which I haven't seen yet, but it's just released on uh, Netflix over the weekend. So um, we get one last Robert Forster movie there. And, that, you know, as a Breaking Bad fan, I really enjoyed seeing him on that show, and that'll be a very widely viewed thing. So he's at least going to go out with a lot of eyeballs on him and a lot of people remembering how great he was. And you know, that's that makes me happy because he really was. There's something special. And as we said before, Tarantino's reclamation projects sometimes really are great. Pam Greer and Robert Forster, chief among them. Like, I'm really – I'm so happy that he got 20 years after this of, of solid, successful, beloved work uh, in, in a lot of ways because he was so great in Jackie Brown. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know how much you read about him, but I, Tarantino basically um, giving him this. Tarantino wrote that role, Max Cherry, for him, um, and basically saved his career. I mean, like he had no career; um, it was over. And uh, and then the guy got another, you know, twenty twenty two years yeah. after that. So uh, so and thanks. Well deserved it because man, he was. You yeah. know, I, I get sometimes people's careers end and you don't really know why. And that seems like a thing with him because when he when he got once he got jobs back, he made them all count. Even on something terrible like Heroes, he was tremendous. <laughs> like I still, his voice was just so distinct. He was great on the new yeah. Twin Peaks. Like even in thankless roles, he brought something to yeah. it. He had a gravitas and a weight to him that made everything sort of matter. So yep, yep. So rest in peace, Robert Forster. Thanks for Jackie Brown. Thanks for everything you were you were tremendous indeed indeed and thank you all for listening we'll be seeing you further on up the road adios